You're listening to a University of Warwick podcast. For more information on the university, please visit warwick.ac.uk. Matthew Taylor became Chief Executive of the Royal Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufacturing and Commerce, the RSA, in November 2006. Prior to this appointment, he was Chief Advisor on Political Strategy to the Prime Minister. Taylor received an Honorary Doctor of Laws from the University of Warwick in July 2014. Here he is speaking to GB Jenkins. Matthew, welcome and thank you for joining us. Um, firstly, what are you currently working on? Uh, I'm Chief Executive of the RSA, so I'm working on running uh, the RSA. Um, I gave my annual lecture last week, which is around the RSA's new worldview, which is the idea of creativity, the idea that every citizen could live a creative life. And um, I have various other projects. I broadcast on Radio 4 and... In fact, tomorrow I'm recording the first of a new format of a programme that I've been working on for a few years, so I'm hoping that it works. In um, 2010, the RSA changed its strapline to the 21st century Enlightenment. Could you explain what this means and how it has changed what the RSA does? Well, the RSA is an Enlightenment organisation. We were created uh, in the middle of the 18th century by people in a coffee house talking about... Uh, progress and the barriers to progress and developing what was then a very novel idea which was to create prizes they were called premiums uh, for people who could invent solutions to problems any kind of problem of course that idea now of creating prizes for people to come up with solutions to problems is everywhere around the world so I think the RSA uh, invented that uh, idea by 21st century enlightenment we are referring back to the enlightenment uh, but at the heart of the idea was that if you look at that enlightenment, there were three core values to it, and those values were universalism, uh, the idea of everybody having rights and dignity, um, autonomy, the idea of freedom, individual freedom, um, and humanism, or if you like, progress, the idea that it was up to human beings to define what the future should be rather than taking it from scripture or from the words of kings. Um, in the idea of 21st century enlightenment, we think that those ideas, which we might commonly call uh, fairness, freedom, progress, have become too narrow and we need to explore them again. So on the notion of freedom, we'd argue that to be truly free, you have to be self-aware. You have to be aware, for, for example, that all individuals are only individuals as much as they're social. Get away from a kind of narrow individualistic account of freedom. When it comes to fairness, we'd argued that Ideas like rights and uh, fair distribution of resources are important, but also empathy is important. One of the critical skills of the 21st century is to be empathic with people who are different. I've just been at a wonderful degree ceremony with people from all around the world, and they are people who, as they succeed in the world, will need to be able to feel empathy for people who are different from themselves. So we felt there needed to be an emotional element to that idea of fairness. And then also, finally, in relation to progress, we felt that there's an idea sometimes that progress is simply economic growth, having more, but actually we should have a deeper conversation about what progress comprises and what it is we're aiming towards. So notion 21st century enlightenment prizes those enlightenment values that were around when the RSA was created, but argues that we need to refresh them, think about them anew in, term, in, in, in the face of 21st century challenges. Thank you. Thirdly, um, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Um, playing with my two-year-old daughter makes me very happy, as well as making me uh, exhausted. 
uh, watching the progress of my sons, who are both semi-professional footballers. Uh, having sons who are footballers makes you more unha unhappy more often than it makes you happy, I'm afraid. But when things work out for them, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, coming here today has made me very happy. As I've got older, you know, I, I've come to understand something which I didn't really understand when I was young, which is that ceremonies formality is an important thing i think like a lot of young people i kind of thought it was all a bit daft in the old days and uh, i'm really honored to get this degree from warwick um because i was here but a couple of years ago i got an honorary degree from brighton which i don't really have a connection with but i was flattered to receive it and the great thing for me about it was that uh, i was able to correct a terrible wrong which was that when i got my degree from southampton and then i got my master's from here uh, because I was a bit young and a bit radical and a bit a bit of an arse, to be honest, I didn't invite, I didn't, never went to the graduation ceremony, I didn't invite my mother. So when I got the honorary degree from Brighton, I got up and said thank you for it. And I said, I'm able today to correct a wrong, 25-year-old wrong, which is I'm able to say, hello, mum, because my mum was in the audience. So being here is, uh, uh, has made me happy. And um, I suppose I'd finally say, uh, when West Bromwich Albion win, but that's such a rare occurrence that I'm not sure that it counts. Thanks. Um, Warwick will be celebrating its 50th anniversary next year and we'll be looking forward as well as celebrating our successes. What do you think will be the biggest challenges and opportunities over the next five decades? I think higher education is going to go through enormous change. And I think in that it's important to be very agile uh, very adaptive. I don't think anyone really knows what higher education will look like in 10 or 20 years. On the one hand, you've got a growing global middle class who want education. Um, and if you're a, a brand as strong as University of Warwick, a global brand, it seems that you're set fair. But on the other hand, there are questions about whether or not people will want to travel to university, take on debts when the best thoughts, the best speakers, the best courses are available free online. So there are, there are lots of things on the positive side of the ledger and there's lots of things on the negative side of the ledger. And I think this, the, the institutions that, that thrive will be the ones that uh, have that agility, that capacity to respond quickly to change as it, as it takes place. And that's a challenge, I think, for all big organisations. So I'd be confident about Warwick's future, not just because it's a great institution, but because it has got a record. Indeed, as the Chancellor said today, it has always been an entrepreneurial institution. So if you're looking at institutions and thinking about their capacity to respond to change, I think you'd say there's something about Warwick that would make you back, make it, make you back it. Thank you. And as you've um, spoken to the graduates today, what words of wisdom did you uh, leave your fellow graduates? So the theme of my brief talk was that when I was here at Warwick, things didn't really go that well for me. Uh, I did a master's and it was a great master's. It was the industrial relations course. And at that time, it was one of the most prestigious courses that you could do. But I think maybe because I'd been in education for 15 years, I was a bit stale. I didn't get as much out of it as I should. I stood as a parliamentary candidate in Warwick and Leamington when I was here and I lost. Um, I was a, an academic in the Warwick Business School for a few years, years later, and I wasn't a really a very uh, successful academic. Uh, but uh, what I said to the graduates was that out of all that experience, when I did my MA, part of it was doing research, which led me to interview someone in a teacher's trade union, which led to me getting a job in that trade union, my first job, uh, that when I failed to be elected in Warwick and Leamington, I was noticed by the Labour Party hierarchy and then subsequently got a job and ended up as... Assistant General Secretary, and through that also ended up working uh, in Number 10 for Tony Blair. Um, 
and that the skills that I got as an academic, even though I was unsuccessful, helped to get me my job running a think tank, running IPPR, and the RSA is also a kind of think tank. So the, the theme of my talk really was that often you learn as much by from disappointment as from triumph. Um, you learn as much from the journey that you embark on as from the destination that you reach. And so I urge the students not to be uh, afraid of failure. Uh, to remember that sometimes the things that you end up most proud of are the things that you never planned in the first place. And I ended by urging them, most of all, uh, never ever stop learning. Thank you very much. Matthew, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.